Welcome to Kensington. Good morning. I said good morning. My name is Mikey. This is Trin and this is Leah. We're going to be leading the worship music for you this morning. You can feel free to stand up, sit down, sing, not sing, whatever you're comfortable with doing in this moment. So take it away, Trin. You have brought me to the water Where my past can be swept away In the current of your mercy And I'll know I'll never be the same There's no limit to your promise Jesus, you have done it all for me Jesus, you have done it all for me
Awesome. That is by far one of my favorite, favorite songs. How beautiful. What energy it brings. Just at God's word, we're just singing it out. He is the lion. I always have the vision every time I hear that song as I'm just as a little cub. And I'm right under his arms right there as he just watches out and protects. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome. We are so glad you have chosen this beautiful, warm, sunny day in the last hours of 2017 to spend it here. There's no better place. We have an amazing service that is planned for you to really set our minds and our hearts in the right place and focused on the right things as we enter into 2018. Well, I'm Basil, and I am your discipleship director, and my primary responsibility is to help you get connected here at Kensington. And that can mean a multitude of different things, from our, our courses and our workshops like Alpha, like Financial Peace University, like Bible Basics, right into our men's groups, our women's groups, and our different variety of small groups. Whatever it may be and whatever that you may have on your mind or God's place in your heart or, or even you just want to figure it out, I'd love to help you with that. I'm going to be after the service out at the information desk, so please come out there. And like I said, I'll help you figure that one out there. Because all these courses and everything that we have, we're going to be starting our, our winter season, and uh, they're going to be starting fresh. So I'd love to provide that information for you. Well, before I uh, bring up Danny and, and we're going to go into uh, this service and the message that he has planned for us today, we really wanted to give you a sneak peek into the series coming up in January. So please watch this. So Crave. Crave's going to be um, going uh, for every weekend throughout the whole month of January. And, you know, I'll tell you this. As, as human beings, you know, let's face it. We have desires. We have an appetite for things. And, and many times we have addiction to things. And whether we realize it or not, and I'll tell you, I'm the biggest one because sometimes I think that I am good. You know, I'm in a good place, but not realizing that there's something that really has me kind of held, and it may be something that's drawn my appetite or given me an appetite for something, or it may even be something that is an addiction. And I'm not even realizing it, but I know it's kind of got me trapped and, and, and held back. Well, I will tell you this. This is the series that we could just sit back, listen, listen to God's truth, and let him speak into you and reveal. Let his light reveal that. So not only for yourself, but I also encourage you to think about who in your life, who around you, may be somebody that would really benefit from hearing the message? Please invite them into that as well, too. Okay? One other thing I want to bring to your attention that we have coming up in, in January, and that's going to be January 19th and 20th, Friday evening and Saturday morning, and that is our leadership conference, leadership gathering. 
You know, we pay many times uh, hundreds of dollars and we go across the country, sometimes even across the world, to go to a conference, a leadership conference. But Kensington has it right here, and it's going to be at the Troy campus for this one going on. And whether you're uh, leading in a ministry, whether you're leading a class, whether you're leading a, a small group or a team of people or you're a leader in any type of capacity, a leader at work, a leader at home, we're all a leader of some sort somewhere in our life. This is the conference where really you want to come to and get poured into because as leaders, we have to grow in order that we can lead others. So I'm going to take a listen and, and, and a watch to this, tell you a little bit more about this, uh, this conference coming up. Lead. You can't lead if you're not hearing the voice of God. Together, there is nothing that we can't do. I really believe that God has given us a sacred trust. So the theme is called Thrive, and uh, an amazing lineup, as you can see, it's an amazing lineup of, of speakers, and there's going to be some great worship that's going on at the same time. You will truly get filled from this. I encourage you, go to the website, learn a little bit more about the whole agenda that's going on for those uh, two days, the Friday evening and the Saturday morning, and then also you can register right then and there on the website, all right? So I would love to, in this next part, just invite all of you to stand up, to look at as many people around you, shake their hand, greet them, and do something really crazy and just tell that person, you are loved. As we look back on... As we look back on 2017, what do we see? What are the memories that it will leave? What will it be remembered for? That new funny meme or maybe something more? The year of the inauguration, did your team win? 
Are we keeping score? Are we fighting for love or starting a war? 2017, the year of the walls. Because if you don't think like me, talk like me, or walk like me, stay on your side. I've made up my mind and I'm more comfortable if you don't cross my line. Just check the Facebook wall we look at every day. I see posts laced with hate and demonstrations to retaliate. Because we love to prove that you're wrong and we think this is what it looks like to be really strong. Posting from behind a screen so you know people will know what I mean making names into numbers and pretending like we care cuz I posted to create awareness I click share but when was the last time we took the time to stare at pain in the face of the hurting took the time to see the humanity in the image of God and the people we pass not even saying hi because we have to complete our task and it's so easy to ask well how did we get here but each choice good or bad starts with the person in the mirror deciding what will I live for? Will my life be used to build or destroy? What kingdom will I advance more? It all starts with the decisions that I make. Will I choose to love or demonstrate hate? And if 2017 was the year of the walls, then let 2018 be the year they all fall. Let our New Year's resolution be a revolution that screams, we choose love. Flicker, flicker. And the light breaks into the night, hope on the horizon, a reason to fight. Darkness cowers at the light of Jesus Christ. This light that's flickering is starting to spread, a spark that's marked by people who become love. Living stones, building blocks of light, illuminating the earth with the good news of Christ. Unity, peace, and love. The weapons of our warfare, bullets that declare we actually care. We're not just stepping into the future, we're intentionally creating a new world. Each good deed, a building block that paints a new mural. There's no walls in heaven, and we declare there shouldn't be any here. So we stop to hear the voice of those in pain, listening to hear their stories and remembering their names. And this spark becomes a fire, and this fire becomes a flame from the ash rises beauty by the power of Jesus' name. So it's important to remember, change starts with me. So ask, as we look to 2018, who will I be? What is the legacy that I will leave? Will I build a better future than the present I'm in or with each personal choice advance destruction? Because the truth is, if I wanna see a better world, it starts with me. So in 2018, ask, who will I be? I think that question's a big question for our weekend. Who will I be? I love Cody's passion. You know, Cody's, he's just like that when you're in a little room meeting with him. You know, he's the same, like, ah, and he really believes that. But who will I be? I, I want you to hold on to that question. It's really foundational for where we're going to go today. So uh, before we, we, we dive in, I just want to say Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Last, last service, I was like, are you excited about 2008? And they were like, and I'm like, come on, you guys are lame. Are you excited about 2008? Finally, he goes, it's 18. So are you excited about 2018? Yes? Oh, see, you, you wasted them last service. You, know, you, you, guys are, you guys are ready to go. But I'll tell you something. 2017 was intense. It was intense. It was an intense year. Across the board. In a lot of amazing ways and a lot of really confusing ways and hurtful ways. You know, we got to have a front row seat to see God do amazing things in our community. It's so humbling to watch. 
It really is. I mean, even last weekend to have over 45,000 people attend our services for Christmas, what an honor that is to be able to preach the gospel and share the good news. Is that, isn't that beautiful? Now, I'm not bragging about that at all. It's not a, a braggadocious thing. It's just saying what a privilege that God would allow that, that God would allow us to, to, to really have a community and a heart that is moved and a generous community that would provide clean water and wells in Africa. And thousands of people have clean water last year because of wacky people that run marathons and other people that support them and, and just this community of people that moving. Uh, to me, the most moving part of last year was to know that in Nepal, these young women that have been trafficked and rescued and restored and taught the good news and trained in the gospel and then deployed out into the countryside of Nepal are changing that region by preaching the good news. A whole church planting movement is happening because they've been rescued and they've been rescued by their Savior, by Christ. I get to go there in May and be, actually get to hike a little bit and go up and trek a bit to actually be in these villages. And I'm so excited to see this church planting movement. It's unbelievable and we get to be a part of that. It's part of what we get to be a part of. It's amazing. It's a privilege. We get to be part of planting churches. In fact, Colin Hartfield, my mate there, uh, and his wife Liz was just here last, last service. They've started a church in Boston, and they've already moved there, and they're ready to go. Michael and Clint Dupin are out in San Francisco. I think they just had their first, one of their first services out there. And we have the Kubiaks here in town, Antioch Shoreline Church, that's just started on the east side here. What a privilege. And all of the things that are happening that God's moving. It's It's amazing. That we get to be on that front line and we get to see that. But then you start thinking about Harvey and Irma and Maria. These hurricanes that had unbelievable devastation back to back to back. Think about the fires in California, floods, earthquakes, this natural disaster. In fact, they said this past year, 2017, is hundreds of billions of dollars of damage. Some of the worst in history. So we've seen a lot of that. Of course, we know that there's Charlottesville, St. Louis, Las Vegas, Sutherland Springs, Texas. This year has been a year of conflict and of devastation. And it's been a deadly year. And so there's been a lot of things. This, this, this 2017 has proven to be a challenging year for our nation. But in the midst of all of this, uh, this conflict, we, we see moments where people have risen up to the surface and just done some amazing things. One of my favorite pictures is from Hurricane Harvey in Texas. There's this human chain that happened. There's an older gentleman, elderly gentleman, that was trapped in his car, and it was being swept away, and he couldn't get out of his car. And you see all these different people from different walks of life. From different, it doesn't matter. They're all holding. You can't even see how long that is. And they're holding each other, and they create this chain, and at the end, they're carrying this man out. It's so moving. And in Las Vegas, there's a super famous picture that's come out. This is it. And there's a man, uh, his name is Matthew Cabos, I think. And he, he was a military, young military guy. And what he's doing right here, he's laying over top of a stranger, sh- shielding her from the bullets. At one point, he puts her, his hand over her eyes so she doesn't see anything. Just after this, he, she, he whisks her to safety. Right after this was shot. And then he goes right back in to help other people. That's what he did. Unbelievable. And you see this incredible hope rise to the surface, even at a time where our country is probably more divided than it's ever been. Across all kinds of lines. Racial lines, ethnic lines, cultural lines, gender lines, you name the line. There is a lot of conflict, but in the midst of it, there is this hope that bubbles up. Now, this kind of conflict 
isn't anything new. It's been around forever. In fact, it's been around since the beginning of time. And this season of Christmas reminds us that when Jesus entered in, he entered into a world of chaos. It was chaotic. The world Jesus entered into as a tiny, vulnerable baby. He entered in, God himself, to enter into chaos. And if you read about his life, you realize something. That Jesus entered into chaos but never gave into chaos. One of the most powerful things about Jesus. Jesus entered into chaos, but he never gave into chaos. In fact, he entered into chaos and he brought something else. He brought peace. He brought love. He brought joy. He brought power. He brought authority. He brought connection. And Jesus entered in to remind us that we are connected, that we are better together. I've, I used this phrase a number of times this last year when I've had to stand on this stage and address something else that was happening in our country. And I love Mother Teresa's line. It said, if there is a lack of peace, that means that we've forgotten that we have belonged together. If there's a lack of peace, we've forgotten that we belong together. And Jesus entered in, in this season, to remind us of that. And so as we start to dream about this next year of 2018, uh, as we start to dream about 2018, and we start to set goals, and we start to set off, on a different footing, I'm praying that this community starts to desire in the deep parts of their heart and soul to be people of God's peace, of God's love, of God's joy, of God's protection, of God's connection. Like all of those, I just pray that we become that kind of community rooted in the power and the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the person of Jesus. So let me pray. And then today I'm going to give you a very practical, this is the last message of 2017. This message to me is just a practical message. Like put on your tool belt, let's pack some tools in your, in your tool belt. So as we head into 2018, we have something we can work with, all right? So it's going to be a real practical message. Let me pray. Thank you, Lord, for those images. Thank you for the courage that you place in a human being. Thank you for the love that you place in a human being. Thank you for examples of hope rising up in the midst of ashes. When we see that, Lord, we're reminded of your heart. That's what I believe. We're reminded of the attorney that's actually placed in every human heart. And when that rises up to the surface, every single person that sees it says, I want that. What they're saying, Lord, is they want you. And so I pray, Lord, that you give us more of you today. I pray that it's less of us and more of you, that you give us visions and words and images and a whole trajectory that can move into 2018. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well... Like I said, this, mass, this message is practical. It's going to be a practical message. It's, now, I, I don't want you to, 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 to mix up at all. I don't, I, don't want to, I don't want you to think it's a self-help message. It's not self-help. I grew up in the self-help era. There was a lot of good books in the self-help era, and I like kind of self-help stuff. The problem is self-help will work for a period of time. It'll get you over a moment, and, but it doesn't sustain you. It, has, it doesn't have an eternal quality to it. It only, you only have any, an ability to move forward in the practical way if Jesus is at the center. I really believe that. When God is in something, there is a, a movement. There's, a, there's an absolute push of God that continues to push you through your life. He doesn't just die out. He's like, I'm done. I don't want to push anymore. You dig it. 
It's like God's like, no, no, I have something for you. And so this isn't self-help. This is hopefully what it is, is rooted in the person of Jesus using some principles that have really been beneficial to me and our team and my family that just in the last few months. So I'm going to explain that in a minute. When you walked in, you should have gotten a Sharpie. Did everyone get a Sharpie? All right, good. And uh, all I want you to do is write everything you want on the person next to you. No, don't do that. All right, so hold on to those Sharpies. If you don't have a Sharpie, just raise your hand. Don't be shy. I want you to have one in your hand. There you go. So, um, so yeah, raise, raise it up. And, and, and ushers, please bring down Sharpies and just hand them out. Because at one point today, what we're hoping will happen is that you might write a word on your hand. And I'll explain my word in a minute. I'll explain what this means. So in October of 2014, uh, a friend of mine came to me and said, I think you need time away. And what he was saying was, you're way too stressed out. You've been running hard for too long and you need time away. And so he said, my friend of mine, Jeff, he teaches a seminar on the East Coast and it's a, 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 silent, a silence and, and solitude seminar. And so I said, great. And I said, I'll go to that. So I signed up for it. Now, mind you, for years, I'm just working and working. I know you guys need some Sharpies, right? We need some down here. And so I'm working, working, working. And my brain, I don't know if you're like this, but my brain would not stop. I mean, I was so revved up for so many years that I couldn't slow down. And I was like, constant. And so I'm driving. So I have to go to the East Coast, the Mystic, Connecticut, where the movie Mystic Pizza was shot. Beautiful, tranquil place. I'm driving down this highway in the fall on the East Coast, unbelievable, in my car, and I'm having a major panic attack. So I'm like, I don't want to do this. I don't really like silence and solitude. I don't know if you like silence and solitude. I don't. And so I'm like, oh, I can't do this. And I'm revved up, and I don't know these people. It's going to be really weird. And I get there, and here's the format. They talk to you in the morning, and then they send you away for eight to ten hours in silence. Then you, then you talk to God, and you come back, and then they teach you a little thing again. They send you out, and then you come back, and we do this for three days. Well, the first two days, there was no way my mind would shut down. It was just, just go, 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 which is our culture. So I'm thinking, I can't hear anything. I don't know if you know this, but if you can't quiet your mind, you're not going to hear from the Lord. Here's not. Sort of like being in a marriage and talking the whole time your wife's talking to you. I mean, that could be a good strategy, but, sorry, Amy. But the best thing to do is quiet down and listen, right? And so, and so we, until you can get your mind to quiet down, you're not going to hear from the Lord. Many people come to me and say, I can't hear from God. I was like, when was the last time you sat and quieted your mind and just asked him something and waited for him to talk? Well, I don't do that. Well, you're not going to hear from the Lord. So, so I get there the third day. And my mind's still going and going. He gives us our little thing. We go away. And I sit in this beautiful little church right here on Enders Island. You can see a picture of it. It's a really gorgeous church. And I sit in there. Every time I have silence, I go to this stone church. I'm the only one in there. I'm sitting in there, and it's about 1130. It's getting close to the time we're going to have to leave. And my mind just starts winding down. And all of a sudden, it's just like... And for the first time in years... I have no thought in my mind. And I think for a minute, like, am I dead? You know, like, I have literally no thought. And then the Lord just whispered three words to me. Purity, disciplines, appetites. Purity, discipline, appetites. Those are my three words. And I wrote them down. And I remember thinking, I knew exactly what he was saying to me. Because for years, I love the scripture that says, Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. And I would say to God, 
God, make me pure of heart. What does that look like? Can you help me make me pure of heart? Can you teach me what that is? And I would pray, pray, pray for years now. When he said purity, this one's out, I knew exactly what he was talking about. And for the last three years, because here's the deal. When God whispers something to you, if you get something from the Lord and it's rooted in him, it'll just propel you into a different existence. And so those three words have held me for three years. They just keep pushing. And I see God working in all these areas of my life. It's been tremendous. And so today, what we're going to see is, will God give every one of us a word? Will he whisper a word? Now, I don't want you to feel pressure. Sometimes you're like, okay, listen to God now, don't. And you're like, I didn't hear from the Lord. I guess I'll never hear from the Lord. I, I've literally had those conversations. He was like, I don't hear from the Lord. I, he doesn't like me. He doesn't, you know, it's like, no, 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 no. That's not the point. The point is, God will speak in his time, in his pace, the way he's going to speak to you, the way you're wired. You're wired different than me. He's going to meet you in a different place. Last night, one of our guys on staff left. He didn't get a word. He said, in the middle of the night, I woke up. I got my word. You know, like God speaks to him a different way. So don't freak out. Don't be stressed out. The point is, God will speak if you ask him in his own way. He's going to speak. I really believe that. It could happen now, in a week, in a month, doesn't matter. God's going to speak. Just keep making time for him because words create worlds. And a word from God creates a world that you can never imagine. So over the last, this past summer, the Lord really said he had a word for me. And it was a clear word for me. And it was in August and he gave me a word and he said, Unity. I knew it was from him because I was reading in the book of John about unity. And I, thought, I was so blown away by this scripture. I'm going to share it with you because Jesus was talking to his disciples just as he's about to leave. And you know, when you only have a small amount of time with people, like some of you might be here visiting and you're going to be leaving. A friend of mine just talked to me. She's going down to Peru in about two days. And so she's with her family. She's got two days. When you only have a little time left, you don't waste time. You don't talk small talk. You go to the essentials. And Jesus is leaving, and he wants his disciples to know something very important. And so he's talking to them. He's giving them instruction. And then he goes here in John 17. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. So he's turning away from his disciples. He's saying, this prayer that I'm going to give you right now is not just for them. He says, I pray also for those who believe in me through their message. So who's he talking to now? Everyone on this earth that has put their faith in Christ, that has heard the message of Jesus. Now, for those of you in the room, Jesus is talking to you now. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. Why? So that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, so that, again, they may be brought to complete unity. Why? Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. It's a powerful verse. I could do a whole message on this, probably a whole month on this. But what is Jesus saying? And this, that's why unity was so powerful. He's like, wow, if you are unified... If we are followers of Jesus and we're unified together, guess what happens? The world sees that and they go, whoa, what is that? They can see the presence of God just by our unification. Just the way that we are. That's why when you see people holding hands and doing these kind of things and they're unified, you get a sense of God. And so the world can see that. And so I took this word and I was so excited. I'm like, I went to Nancy, we're on our campus truck. I'm like, Nancy, 
this is our word for the year. It's not just for me. I think it's for our staff and I think it's for our church. And I went into our executive pastor's office, Kyle, and I sit down. And I'm like, Kyle, I just want you to know that I came up with a word. And Troy Campus is going to be the most unified campus that's ever existed on the planet Earth. You know? Oh, he's okay. And then I look on his board and he's got five principles that he had written out on his board. And I looked at Kyle and I said, what are those? And he goes, well, those are kind of like my, he always has these weird little things he's got, right? He says, those are my, those are my things that I look at every day, you know, and you should study those. And so I said, I'll study them. Can I steal them? And he's like, yeah. So I stole these five principles over the summer and I laid unity over top of these. And I went to our team and I said, we are going to use these five principles and we're going to fight for unity for the next year. And that's what we've been doing for four months. And I want to share these five principles with you. Now this is the practical part. This is the tool belt part. This is the part where I'm going to give you five principles that we have been working through as a team. And we have seen unbelievable results using these principles. And so I just want to give them to you. And they can work with any word, with any kind of vision that you have. I really believe that. I'm going to tell you to them, and I want you to write them down. Write them in your phone, write them on anything, write them on on your neighbor next to you with your Sharpie, whatever you need to do. But here they are. Manage expectations is the first one. Manage expectations. I'm going to explain all these. Believe the best. Keep short accounts. Live with an unoffendable heart. Now, for all the teachers in the room, please don't school me on the idea that that's not a word. I know, but it works within the concept. I'll explain it to you. And then move in the opposite spirit. You can keep that up for a minute because I know some of you are taking pictures. But manage expectation, believe the best, keep shorter cons, live with an unoffendable heart, and move in the opposite spirit. So the first one, manage expectations. Now, how many of you have expectations for 2018, like big ones? Look at you. Right away, your hands go. How many of you have no expectations for 2018? No, don't answer that. How, you, some of you were answering that. How many had big expectations for 2017? How many of those didn't work? Don't put your hands up. You know, we always have these huge expectations. I'm like, 2017, I'm going to drop 100 pounds, and then I gain 20 pounds. This doesn't work. Right, so we have a lot of expectations that don't come true. A friend of mine has been in a really long marriage, and he came to me, and he's like, you know, my marriage is awesome. Maybe we were like 30 years or something like that. I'm like, oh, really? What's, this, what's the secret? And he goes, it's real simple. I literally have no expectations. <laughs> what he said to me. I was like, wow, I'm really not going to follow you. That's just really strange. But I love what Alexander Pope said. He says, blessed is he who expects nothing, for he shall never be disappointed. And there's truth in that. The fact of the matter is, I think God wants us to expect a lot. But where are we getting our expectations? What is it rooted in? That's the key. And so God taught me this in a unique way. I was, maybe a year and a half or so ago, I was praying through stuff. I had an unrest in my heart. I just couldn't get peace about something. Whenever there's a lack of peace or there's a bit chaos in your life, you have to address that. And so for me, I was addressing it. And I was talking to God about it. I'm like, what is that? And he gave me a phrase. This is how the Lord speaks to me. He just gives me phrases that I wouldn't normally think. And so the phrase I got was, you live in fantasy and you always have. And I was like, oh, Lord, help me. You know, what does that even mean? And so I, so I asked him, I was like, Lord, what does that mean? Like, give me, 
something. And he gave me an image. The image was you have a picture of yourself and of your marriage and of your kids and of your work and of your art and of your congregation and of your whatever. You have a picture of what it's supposed to be and it's way out in the distance and it's just beyond your reach. And you can reach out, but you can't get a hold of it. And he, he, and he said to me, you live your life like that. You're, you're, he said, you're living out in something that's not even real. And you're reaching for it and you can't get it. And because you can't get it, it's frustrating to you. And you're reaching out and you can't quite attain it. And he says, you've done that your whole life. And I was like, whoa. And then this is what God will do me sometimes. He'll just get, start giving me memories. And so he just gave me memories of my childhood. He gave me memories of my, my teen years into my, into my work life, uh, into my artist, artistry. I was an artist for a long time. So into that and every aspect of memory he gave me, I was like, yes, you're right, God. You're smart. You know, like, yes, I understand what you're saying. And then he said to me, I need you to come into the present moment. I need you to quit living out in something that's not even real. And I need you to come into the present moment and live in this realness of me. That was a profound moment for me. I thought it was going a little crazy. So I met with a friend of mine, a psychologist, and I said, hey, this is what happened. Because there's something wrong with me. And he's like, no. He goes, you know what? There's a lot of people like that. And I'm like, score. I'm not alone. And he said, this is what I call this. He says, I call that destination sickness. And I was like, whoa. Yes, I have destination sickness. I'm trying to get to a destination that doesn't even exist. Only in my mind. I have these expectations of everything, myself and other people. And I'm holding people to this expectation that's not even real. What do you think God expects from you? What is God's expectation for you, for others? Because when our expectations are out of line and they're rooted in our own desires and our own expectations, it can lead to disappointment. It can lead to human striving. It can lead to destination sickness. It can lead to perfectionism, which I, I, I hate, but I'm part of that. But what does God expect from us? What does he require of us? Does he require us to be perfect? No. There's not one perfect human being on this planet. If you are perfect in the audience, come up and give us your secret. There's not one. We're broken. We have brokenness in us. We know that. In fact, that's why God sent his son. He's like, I'm going to send perfection into imperfection so that imperfection has a way back to perfection through their faith in Jesus. It's only through my faith in Christ that I have a shot at being perfect through him. Scripture says that he wraps us in his righteousness. He clothes us with his righteousness. He gives us his grace. He washes us clean only through the faith in Jesus. So God doesn't expect us to be perfect. So what does he expect of us? Well, there's only a couple times or a few times in Scripture that says this is what God requires of you. So I always go back to John 6, 28, 29 in particular, but I want to read 27. And I always come back to this Scripture because it's so true. So people are been fed by Jesus. There's thousands being fed. It's amazing because they're like, wow, you took this little lunch and fed all these people. That's a great trick. And so he leaves and they start to follow him and they want it again. They want him to show it again. And he meets them and he says this, do not work for food that spoils. Don't be reaching out for fantasy. He goes, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man, Jesus will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And then they asked this, listen. He said, what must we do to do the works that will give us that? What do you require of us so that we attain that? 
And Jesus answers in such a beautiful way. He says, the work of God is this, to believe in the one that he sent. Now, he could have said anything. He said, the work of God is this. You must do 50 million prayers and take care of this and do this and do all these things. And then maybe you might actually get eternal life. He doesn't say that. He says, you need to place your faith in Jesus. In fact, you could take that phrase and it means you need to place your trust in Christ. That's what God expects of us. That each day when we place our trust in him, when we give our life to him, he then clothes us and brings us up to where he sees fit for us. He will take care of the expectations. He wants us. He expects us to surrender to him. It's beautiful. So now, does that mean you don't dream big this year? Like, I'm just going to believe passively and things are going to be awesome. No, you dream big. God has great big dreams for us, for every single person. Dream big, but don't believe in your own dreams. They have to be what God desires for our life, what God plans for our life. The expectation that God has for us is the most important because when we don't, we're in destination sickness. So manage expectations. Number two, believe the best. The majority of my early life, I never believed the best. I always assumed the worst. I think I got that from my mom, and I'm not blaming my mom, but my mom had this unbelievable discernment with people. And Amy knows, like, she, my mom is crazy. She can walk into a room and look around and go, yes, yes, no, okay, I'm good. And she knows everything that's going on in a room. She just has this crazy discernment. When that, I think that was passed on to me. I think I do have some gift of discernment, especially for those that struggle with depression, anxiety, any of those darknesses. I can see you, look in your eyes, and I see it like that. I know. So I can walk into a room and I can size it up pretty quickly. And I used to do that a lot when I was younger. I'd walk in, I'm like, that person? No. This one? Not sure. This was like super judgmental and terrible. And that kind of discernment gift can create chaos. And it can also create isolation. And that's what it really did for me. I was, it was hard for me to get close to people because I would really be judgmental with them. But then the Apostle Paul says this. We need to consider every single person better than ourselves. So if you want to have the mindset of Jesus, every single person in this auditorium is so much better than me. And you have to truly believe that, and you have to be able to live that. And that's mind-blowing. Because I was praying with a friend of mine because I had this deep conflict with someone that I was with for a long time, worked with. And I had this deep conflict, and it was eating me away, and I couldn't get over it. And I, I called a friend of mine. I was like, I really need to pray through this. He's like, yeah. So I told him about it, and then we started praying. We do something called listening prayer. It's really simple. You know what you do? You ask God a question, and you listen. Whoa, it's really deep. So we were in there together. We sit down, and we start working through this conflict that I have. And as we work through it, we get to a place where my friend looks at me. He says, do me a favor. He says, ask God what he thinks of that guy you don't like. Okay. So, God, what do you think of that guy? And the first phrase that came, this is how I know it wasn't God. Or it was God. The first phrase that came to mind, he's a good man. I was like, no, he's not. Are you kidding me? I know that guy. He's not a good man. Oh, God, you don't even know what you're talking about. You know, I started laughing and I shared it with my friend and he started laughing. He goes, yes, that's God. That's right. Now, I had good reason to believe this guy wasn't a good guy. I caught him in deceptions and manipulations. He hurt me. He hurt others. He had a pattern of this stuff. Like, it was frustrating for me. 
But it was a great moment for me because God said to me, you need to see people how I see them. Not as the world sees them, but look at their heart the way I've made them. And when you start to look at people that way, guess what starts happening? You're so, you're amazing. You start seeing people like that, it's a different ball game. You don't see the dirt on them and the manipulation of the world and the jealousy of the world and the anger of the world. You start to see the love and the joy and the peace that God placed in their heart when they were first breathed into existence. That's a different level. And you start to believe the best in people. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about being naive. I'm not talking about being naive. There are people that are in unhealthy relationships. I'm not talking like, well, I believe the best, but I'm going to be in this relationship. No, please don't do that. I'm not talking about naive because Jesus talked about that. He warned his disciples. He said, behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. So he's saying, be wise. There are going to be people out there that are going to be harmful. But do not assume the worst. Do not become closed off and cynical. Believe the best and look for me in each person. It's powerful. So we manage expectations. We believe the best. Third one, we keep short accounts. If your brother sins against you, Scripture says, go and tell him his fault. Between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. It's one of the most important aspects of relationships to make sure that we keep a short account with people. Here's what I mean. Don't let things fester over a long period of time. I've been guilty of this so many times. I'll hold something in against somebody over a period of time and it just festers and festers and creates in you anger and jealousy and all kinds of different things that are not of the Lord. Keep short accounts. You see it in families all the time. I bet you a lot of families saw it over these holidays. As you hold things in for a year... Or two years, and then you're like, well, it's the holidays. I better not blow up now. And then you hold it for another year. And it's like, no, keep short accounts. God wants relationships clean. So if someone offends you, go to them. Look them in the eye and say, hey, you've really offended me. Or, better yet, if you've offended someone and you know it, go to them. Don't hold back. Go in, look them in the eye, and say, I'm sorry. I think I've offended you. And most times when I do that with my wife, it's like, yeah, you offended me. We know. By the way, men, if you're married in this room, you go first every time. I fight it with my wife, but the best time in our marriage is when I go first. I lead the way, and I say I'm sorry first. Boom. Every time. Now, the reason that we're getting together in January and we're doing this series called Crave is for this kind of a thing. We have this series called Crave because we want to look at our hurts and habits and hang-ups and we want to dive in and we want to get into the things that are in here that are holding us back from God, holding us back from hearing from the Lord, making us pure of heart so we can see God. That's what this four weeks in Crave, it would be awesome if every single person came to those four weeks and said, okay, Lord, I'm going to deal with the things that are, I'm not holding account- accountable to. I'm going to jump in and see what's happening. That's why we're doing this series over the last year year and a half I've, I've done this step study and you go through a whole 12 step thing over about a year year and a half time and one of the main points in there is you make amends with people so if i've offended you i'm going to come to you and i have to make amends with no expectation of what they're going to say back to you they could go i hate you or they can say thank you <laughs> it doesn't matter but you have to make amends god wants our relationships clean A friend of mine says, unforgiveness doesn't exist in the kingdom of heaven. 
Unforgiveness doesn't exist in the kingdom of God. Meaning if we're following God and we're serious about it, we can't harbor unforgiveness. Because when we do and we don't keep short accounts of that and we don't hold ourselves accountable, you know what happens? Our heart starts to grow what scripture says is hard. We start to be self-protected. We start to grow hard. We start to not let things penetrate our heart. And you know what happens? We then have a very offendable heart. And so that's the next one. We manage our expectations. We believe the best. We keep short accounts and we live with an unoffendable heart. So many problems in our life are because we take things way too personal. And I know. I was always like, yeah, that person offends me. You people offend me. My heart's offended. I need to talk to you. You're offensive. You know, and it's like, what? What is wrong with me? If my heart belongs to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, there is not one thing that can offend my heart. If it's owned by him, he is the only one. But no one else can't offend my heart. But most of the time, it's, it's with a conflict with someone else that triggers our insecurities, our unresolved conflict of ourselves or our unforgiveness. Sometimes it's just an innocent mistake. I love the image in Buddhism where it says when the insults, the flaming arrows of insults come and they hit you, they fall to flowers at your feet. Of course, Buddhism is, is trying to Get away from the suffering. But we follow a suffering king. Jesus went to the cross. He entered into the chaos. He entered into the suffering. So Jesus is not saying get away from the suffering. What he's saying to us is don't let the hurts of this world get so deeply entrenched in your heart that it becomes hard. And you become cynical. And you become closed off to the world. Don't do it. So the Lord's saying don't do it. Protect your heart. Because out of your heart becomes this kind of wellspring of life. Protect it. And God, when we meet him and we surrender to Christ, you know what he does? He gives us a new heart. That's what the prophet Ezekiel says. Listen, he says, I, God, will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. And I will remove from you, don't this, he will remove the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. It's the beautiful exchange of God. He removes our cynicism, our anger, our jealousy, and he gives us his profound, powerful love, grace, and mercy. He moves away our heart of stone and he gives us a heart of flesh. Such a powerful image. But when our heart is cynical and hard, guess what? There are consequences. And Jesus talks about it in Matthew 24. He says, Then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. When we live like this and this and this, you know what happens? Betrayal, hatred, coldness. God's like, no, I didn't design you for that. I did not design you for that. Don't let the world steal that from you. Come to me and let me give you a new heart and a new spirit. I want you to live full and wide open, vulnerable, even if it hurts. Because nothing can hurt your heart when it's owned by the King of Kings. I want you to live life, it says, to the full. That's life to the full. Not this way. This way, life to the full. And so we manage our expectations. We believe the best. We keep short accounts. We live with an undefendable heart. And the last one, we move in the opposite spirit. I keep this last. They're actually in an order that I really have worked on. I keep this one last because moving in the opposite spirit of the world is so hard. Scripture said we're supposed to live by the spirit of God. That's really hard to do. 
Because it's different than what the world would say. The world would say we should live for ourselves. God says we should live for others. And so Paul talks about this in Galatians. He says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh, of the world. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. It's a beautiful thing. When God exchanges our heart and he gives us a new spirit, guess what happens? There is a conflict that happens. At least that's what happened to me. I remember having this unbelievable moment with God and and this new spirit energy in me. I knew I was changing. I knew it was different. I had no idea what it was. And I remember being a musician at that point. I was an artist. And we, as artists, you know, when we were out playing gigs or traveling or doing whatever, we had super colorful, good four-letter word language. And we'd use it a lot. And we were good at it. And so I remember having an experience with Jesus and a few days later going and playing my first gig after coming to Christ. And I went to say one of these beautiful uh, words that started with F and I just kind of went to put it out there and I was like, "Mm," and I couldn't say it. And I thought, whoa, what was that? You know, and then I, then I tested it again. They're like, test it again. I couldn't say this word. I'm not talking about language right now. I'm not talking about behavior modification. What I'm saying is this, God needed to tell me there's something different in you. And that was the way he showed me. I've heard it in different forms and different ways with different people. But the spirit of God isn't the spirit of the world. The spirit of the world says, just take whatever you want. God's spirit says, no, no, no. It's a different kind of spirit. In fact, we know God's spirit because there's actual fruit of his spirit. And, and, and Paul continues this. He says, but the fruit of the spirit of God is this. It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. He says, against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified to the flesh and its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, or envying each other. The powerful statement is saying, when we live by the Spirit, we'll know. So when we see these unbelievable acts of courage or of love, we know. When Jesus entered in and he said, not only are you to love the people that you love, meaning your family and your friends and the neighbors that you think are all right, I need you to love your enemy, the people that you don't like. And guess what? That's an opposing spirit to the world. Because the world would say, eh, throw them away. God's like, oh, no, no. I need you to love them. And that's an opposite spirit. And when we start walking and living and talking and doing that, people go, what is that? I want that. So we manage our expectations. We believe the best. We keep short accounts. We live with an unoffendable heart. Why don't you put those lists up? I'm going to walk you through that. And then we move in the opposite spirit. So I want to walk you through what this actually means. It's really simple. When we manage expectations, we are saying, Lord, I trust my life to you. I place my trust in you. When we believe the best about people and we see people how God sees them, we say, Lord, I trust other people to you. When we keep short accounts, we're we're saying, it is valuable for me to be clean with people. I'm not going to let things fester in my heart because when they do, I know that my heart will be offendable. So I want it to be unoffendable. I want it to be clean. I don't want it to be a heart of stone, but a heart of flesh. And then when we move in the opposite spirit, the world will see that as something radical and different. Now, here's where unity comes in. I went to my team and I said, this year, this is what we're going to do. We're going to see this word, unity. 
that is rooted in scripture. And we're going to take these principles and we're going to work through them. And every time we need language, we're going to use these, these phrases. Last night, after service, I had a staff member call me. And we talked for half an hour and we went through every single one of those steps. He's like, well, hey, I just want to check with you, but I don't know what's expected of me. You know, there's not being clear. I'm like, oh, it's okay. Let's think about expectation. What does God expect of you? Well, I went through that. He's like, okay, well, I want to believe the best about this person, but the way they're acting is, eh. I'm like, okay, well, let's believe the best in them. And then he's like, okay, I'm just, and I told her, I said, look, you, you need to go to that person. You need to keep a short account. I literally use that language. Go to them, keep a short account. Tell them how you're feeling. And then he's like, and, and at one point I said to him, do not be offended. It's not personal. This is what it is. It's okay. And then I said, and when you go into that meeting next week, whatever you do, take a spirit of God with you where that person's better than you and you just support them and move in an opposite spirit. You know what's amazing? You know what happened? This. When you follow that, you're unified. And you can do it with any word. Purity, I can go down there. Appetites, go down there. Discipline, go down there. These are stuff that I want in your pocket all year long, where you have language where you can say, okay, I'm just going to manage my expectation in my marriage. I just want these things in your pocket. Put them on your refrigerator, put them on your mirror, put them in your phone, put them on your computer, and remind yourself of how we can live a life that's so different in 2018. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to we're going to really take a moment, and in a minute I'm going to show you a video where you can see some words play out with some people. Then I want you to really be thinking, you probably have all our, God, do you have a word for me for 2018? Do you have a word? And then the team's going to come out, we're going to sing a song and give you time to process that. And if a word comes to you, I want you to write it on your hand. I had a powerful moment with someone last service. A young girl came up with me over there, and her word was Overcome. And she said, man, I don't know if you remember me. You prayed for me. I said, yeah, uh, over the summer. She had, she's broke down. It's like, this is my word. Because I almost didn't make it out of this year. She told me her story. And it's this unbelievable story of darkness and light. And all things. she knew her word. If you know that word, write it on you. Because tonight, when you're out partying, however you're going to party and celebrate 2018, um, you know, when that moment happens, someone's going to look at your hand and say, what's that? You say, oh, this is the word the Lord gave me this year. This is what I'm going to base my life on. And that can even open up a conversation. What do you mean by that? Speak about the gospel. So we're going to uh, receive our offering right now. So if you come prepared to give, awesome. Thank you for being part of this community. Thank you for being part of the vision that we really believe that the world, <laughs> that Jesus is the answer, that he changes everything. So thank you for being part. This past year has been unbelievable. Uh, what we've been able to do financially through generosity of this community. So thank you. If you're brand new here, your moment can be starting point. You just walk out to the lobby a little to your right. You'll see people with orange shirts. That's starting point. We'd love to connect you. And then if you are in the last, we are in the last, what, 11 hours now. If you want to take part in the year-end gift, you still have 11 hours to do that. Amy and I put our gift in a couple of weeks ago. We would invite you to be part of the year-end gift. Uh, that's huge. That helps us really push into 2018 in a big way. So be part of that as well. You can find out uh, on your phone, on the app, uh, on the website. Anything you want to do, be part of that with us. Well, here's a video. You're just going to see a few people explain their word. And then we're going to come up and sing. And I'll just give you a couple of thoughts before we do that.
The Lord kind of revealed to me my word at the end of a season of dryness in my life. That's when he kind of came in and just hushed a lot of my fears saying, don't worry, don't fear, you're going to be my witness in 2018. My word for 2018 is witness. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. I'm free to live my life feeling oppressed and depressed by what others think of me, or I'm free to choose to believe what God says about me. My word for 2018 is free. I just recently started Claimer Campus, which is a prayer movement with all the high schoolers. It's been growing rapidly. It's just going to change the lives of so many people. It's going to be huge. My word for 2018 is unforgettable. I chose hope for my word. Hope is the only thing that allows me to continue to live this life. It's the reason why I have joy in my heart. I realize even if I go through trials or tribulations or struggles or make mistakes or fall, my hope is still in Christ alone. My word for 2018 is hope. My word for 2018 is intentional. I would like to be intentional with my relationships, with the Lord, with my friends, and with my family. I'd like to be intentional with my time. And if I am intentional, I believe that I can make a difference. My word for 2018 is intentional. When I reflected on 2017, I don't think I experienced a lot of peace. I think following Jesus, we're supposed to have abundant blessings, and peace is one of those. So my word for 2018 is peace. So we're going to sing a musical thought over you, this idea that we're not victims, but rather we're children of God, that we know who God is, and we know we, we are in God. And that there are greater things to come because of that. So as Leah and the team lead us, what I'd like you to do is just ask God. Just ask him for a word. Like, Lord, do you have a word this year? Do you have a word for me, for my family? Do you have a word that you want me to know? And like I said, this isn't pressure. This is you going to your heavenly father and just asking. And he will give you in his time. And there are gonna be people in here that are gonna hear a clear word had a woman last service. She's, I just grabbed her out in the lobby just before I came back in for this service. And she said, and I said, what word do you have? And she had important. And I said, wow. And she said, yeah, I was thinking in my mind, the word is important. And then you looked and said, important. Like, I guess I said important. She goes, that's the word, you know? And then she said something really beautiful. She said, my whole life, I thought I was never important. But recently I'm realizing how important I am. <laughs> this is a powerful moment. And so take time and just see if God will whisper a word to you. Reviving 
This next song, it's going to be our last song that we sing for the year. So I just invite you to sing it out with me if you want to stand, if you want to sit, whatever you want to do. But let's just sing out for God, for what he's done, for what he's doing, and for what he's going to do. Here, now, 
on the stage last service and I was like spoken to Colin and Liz Boston you know think Cam you're out in California studying Trin you've unbelievable what, what God has done when you've heard him whisper to your life look at all of you Mikey and Leah all of you guys Jacob it's like unbelievable Adam I know these guys I know their stories I know what God has done when he's spoken a word it's just profoundly changed their life that's what I'm praying for 2018 I'm praying that we become a people of God's peace and power and authority and love. I want you to hold that word. If you got that word, you hold it this year close to you. Let me pray. Lord, thank you that you speak to your kids. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you're present with us. Thank you that you sent your son, Emmanuel, with us, God with us, that he would be close, not distant, that he's there and he's walking with us. Thank you, Lord, for this community. Thank you for what you've done in the last year. We do not deserve any of it, but we are grateful for it. Father, I pray that you create in us your heart more and more and more in this community, individually and collectively. I pray that you unify us so the world knows your presence and your power and your peace and your glory. Thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing and all you're going to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm welcoming you back 
Next weekend to start this new series in 2018, Crave. So come back for that. Invite friends. If you need prayer, come down front. We're also starting our midweek service next week at Orient, first and third Wednesdays at 7 o'clock, and then here, second and fourth. We're going through the whole book of Philippians, one of my favorites. So come back for that. If you need a prayer, like I said, down front or out in the lobby, and I'd love to meet you out there and hear some of your words. Have a great, great week. Happy New Year. You're awesome.